Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Social Work Radio with me, your host, Vince Peart. Once again, I am joined by my co-host, Tilly Baden. Tilly, my friend, how the devil are you? How have things been since you were last aboard the good ship SWR? Hello, everyone. Um, I have literally nothing has happened since we last spoke. So I am very boring on the whole news front this week. I've got nothing really to report. Just Can you not working. make something up? Can uh, you make, make, oh, make up I a mean, salacious like, story about yourself? Uh, no, we're, we're over the salacious stories. That's uh, that's old Vincent Tilly. That's not now, <laughs> not on this show. Yeah, um, you sound like you're revealing something about the status of our relationship there, Tilly. People who haven't known us for a while may be thinking, oh, what, what do these people used to get up to? Well, <laughs> nothing too, nothing too racy, I promise. Um, nothing racy at all, just you teasing me about various things in my love life and that is just non- non-existent anymore. I am happily single, and that's probably the best thing for right now. But well, anyway, has anything happened in your life? You you must have something. If I haven't got anything, uh, you must have something. Please enlighten uh, our, our our listeners. Well, I'm, I'm I, I don't want to, I don't want to continuously talk about sport, given I'm talking about boxing and bare knuckle boxing and and, and football. And last week we were talking about golf, and you know. How we spoke, you know, as I enter the middle of my life, I was considering taking up golf. Um, on Friday, my heart was warmed in social work. I mean, my heart's warmed all the time, but, you know, you have certain moments in social work where it reaffirms why you got into the profession. I mean, obviously, every yeah. day there's certain successes, but, you know, you have certain standout moments you think, I'm probably going to remember that for the rest of my career. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So on Friday, I had one of those. Um, it's not a family that I'm supporting at the moment. It's not children that I'm working with, but it is one of my colleagues. And for my sins, my duty days are Fridays. Um, so That's like a uh, bad day to be a duty worker. You've got the short straw there. Well, yeah, I've been doing it for two years. I've been in my current position, which, you know, I'm an assistant team manager at three days a week part time. So I'm in, in that job. Um, that I do alongside my independent social work. I um, yeah, I, I, I'm duty, but because I'm assistant team manager, I have a reduced caseload, so it means I've got more sort of slacks. So I help people out by by taking duty on Fridays. And but as you quite rightly point out, it's not it's not exactly the most popular of days to be on duty. But I've literally taken one for the team. Um, so one of the social workers she was in, but she was in court, so um, working with a family and children at the moment who were in care. And you may remember this, Teddy, from your, your time when you were in children's uh, social work, but when you take children into care on an emergency basis, unplanned, which is the vast majority of times, when you've put in referrals for taxis and transport of children who have been moved to a foster carer who cannot do um, any transport, uh, or when you are waiting for contact workers, for family time to pick up the case, the social workers pick up the slack. So social workers have to step in and supervise family time and do transport until the relevant teams can pick them up. I'm sure you've been in that position before. Yeah, 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 I have. So that's that's one of uh, these circumstances. So I um, I was picking the children up on Friday. Bearing in mind, I've never met the children before. All I had was names, ages and locations. And it's always kind of weird 
when that's the case, because you find yourself sort of waiting at schools and having to say to the receptionist, right, um, my name's Vince, I'm here to pick up this child, please trust me, here's my ID. And this little girl, 12-year-old, comes out and says, oh, how was your afternoon? She says, good, I've been at karaoke club. And I was like, oh, that sounds exciting, karaoke club. Wow. And then she says, um, she's very talkative right off the bat, because obviously, children meeting a you know a man like me for the first time they're not always that talkative usually i find myself having to lead the conversation you know you know i'm cool i'm not like i'm not like your own social worker i'm a cool social worker i kind of go with that angle um i like <laughs> to spoil i'm really bad because i like to spoil kids so like if i'm like if i'm just seeing a child once like i'll be like right, i'm gonna take you to mcdonald's do you want a chocolate or do you want this do what you like cupboard love yeah <laughs> I, yeah yeah i do i do because I, I always think you know what i mean it's like I'm another stranger in a child's life and I'm coming in and, you know, I'm picking them up. So I always try and, you know, make it a bit exciting and uh, do as best I can. Spoil, spoil. I always try to spoil the kids that I, I work with at work. So she says, oh, yeah, I like singing. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to be in the school talent show soon. I'm going to be singing this song um, called The Ballad of Jane Doe. Um, for a musical I'd never heard of. Um, it's about a roller coaster. She told me it's a bizarre musical, like an off-Broadway musical, Ride the Cycle, I think it's called. And she explained it was uh, about a, a group of school children, like high school children, who die on a roller coaster. And there's a three-part musical um, where they sort of sing. And it was bizarre. And she sang this song for me. I says, right, I'll put it on, I'll put it on um, Apple Play in my car. And she sang, she's like the most beautiful voice. And I was like, this is amazing. I'm tra- I've been tread to a personal, a personal uh, concert here. And she says, Do you like musicals? I'm like, Oh, yeah, yeah. I like musicals. She says, What's your favorite? I says, Well, my favorite's Les Miserables, but I also like Hamilton, which I saw over the summer. And she's like, I love Hamilton too. And I was like, Excellent. Let's listen to the Hamilton soundtrack. So we went and picked up a little brother who was four, got him from his nursery. And it was about a 40-minute drive from where the schools are to where they're currently placed, which, of course, isn't ideal because you want children to be more local. But, again, such as the, the nature of short-term emergency placements, sometimes you've got to take what you can. And uh, we spent the entirety of the journey back, me and her, singing the Hamilton soundtrack together. And it was, it was lovely. Because I don't have anyone in my life I can sing musicals with. No, no. Oh, that would have been a really special moment. And it was. Yeah, it was. I can imagine that's that's the sort of time, isn't it, that does stand mm. out in your social work job, and you think actually I'm so privileged to be part of of this, um, even though it might be for a fleeting moment that I'm part of this child's life. But um, these are interactions that shape people's development. So, well, yeah, my development. I'll, I'll be honest; it, it, it served me far more than it served her. Because you know, when do I ever get to sing the Hamilton soundtrack with people? Because, as you can imagine, a man in my position, it's not really a cool thing to be doing. I can't be saying, "You all right, lads? <laughs> you know, you all right, lads? Do you fancy uh, coming round and blasting out some show tunes?" But there, there was my opportunity to. Um, to sing along with her to um, Who Lives, Who Dies, Who Tells Your Story, which is my favourite song from Hamilton. So I've said to her, look, we've kind of made an agreement. I was like, can we do this again? She's like, yes. I was like, yes, please. Next time I'll take you to McDonald's. I'm, I'm kind of angling. Um, I can't see her this Friday. We can't continue our musical uh, escapades this Friday because uh, we're having a social work news writers meetup, as you very well know, Tilly, because we'll be together. Yes. 
Um, but yes, hopefully next week uh, we'll we will pick it up from uh, about forty minutes in. Well, we're forty minutes in, but then we skipped uh, one of the last songs because it's my favourite. So there we go. My um, my love of social it, moments like that they can. That's that's what makes social work worth it, isn't it? it the, is. the, the fact yeah. what you get, you get to have those opportunities um, to really have an insight into people that you would never have met, whether it's children, adults, professionals. Moments like that do make it all worthwhile. They do indeed. And um, hopefully next week we'll have something, some more entertaining stories um, from our writers retreat. So um, watch this space, listeners. We'll fill you in with all the gossip and I'll let you know if Vince behaves himself. Of course, of course. I always behave myself, Tim. Um, <laughs> talking about, talking about, this is a good segue into uh, today's This is topic. a good segue, yeah. Talking about, talking, how cheesy. Well, Tilly, uh, talking about behaving yourself, do you like to swear? I don't swear that much. I mean, it it, it has a time and a place. Um, and you know, if I really cross, it'll slip out, but I'm not someone that swears all the time. I've never heard you swear. No, you probably haven't. I, I behave myself on the podcast, but um, even off yeah, there, I, I imagine you you're the there. opposite, though. I think you, I bet you throw a few swear words around. Um, certainly did back in the day. Both my parents uh, swear a lot. Obviously, my dad's passed on, but he used to swear a lot. Uh, and my mum still swears. My mum st- occasionally fires in a swear word by mistake around. My two children, which appalls me because my children have never heard a swear word. You know, prize-winning kids, Tilly, and you know what I'm like with my kids. <laughs> no, thou shalt not hear any swear words in this household. But, um, yeah, both my parents swore a lot. And um, growing up, uh, <laughs> growing up on a, on a council estate like I did in quite a deprived area in a single-parent family where... Everybody was, uh, you know, either didn't work or worked in sort of like rough and ready manual labour jobs. Um, swearing was that common that it didn't even feel like swearing. It was just that was just how you spoke. There wasn't you didn't you didn't f and Jeff because you know that you were trying to exaggerate something. You just did that in your everyday vernacular. Um, the reason we're, we're discussing this today, listeners, is. Um, one of our most popular stories on social work news over the past week has been an advice column, which I write. So most Fridays I write a, a supervision column where people write in or, or, or post um, public messages with uh, questions. A lot of it's about you know cases or stress at work, and some of them are a bit more left field, such as this one. And basically a social worker contacted us and asked uh, if it, she asked, what did people do in terms of their case record and when the people they were supporting swore? So you might not be a big sweary yourself, Tilly, but uh, would it be fair to say that you're often exposed to rude words in the workplace? Oh, all the time. And I love it, to be honest, when people, <laughs> especially if I'm working with someone that's um, a bit older and a bit like more to, well to do or something and then suddenly this stream of swear words comes out it always bright, brightens my day um I love it it's um 
it's just it adds to someone's character uh, never offended I think we've heard every single word under the sun and I, I'm sure most social workers out there will have been called a few choice expletives before by um, people that they're being support uh, that they're supporting so um, yeah I'm certainly no different in that category. So I'm just going to ask you that question then the question that a uh... A social worker asked me and that I responded to this past Friday in my column. If the people you support say rude words, should you write them down in your case notes? Um, I think it depends on the context. Um, if it's adding to their story or you're trying to capture their voice or opinions, then yeah, um, there's no, nothing wrong with, with that. I normally put a little asterisk over one of the vowels just to sort of take out the entirety of the word so that the reader knows what the word is but doesn't actually have to read it. Because sometimes, actually, if you're emailing documents, you can get filtered out or you can be put into spam folders if you've got... Yeah, yeah that's content. happened to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, it, if you've written a report, for example, and you've yeah. sent it to someone on encrypted email, suddenly they're saying, oh, I, I haven't got it. And it's because it's it's hit their spam folder because yeah. the internet thinks that you've, you're sending rude, explicit messages to people. Um so, yeah, like I said, if, if it adds to someone's voice or the context, then I would write it. But if it's just within normal conversation and I'm just summarising roughly what someone said, then then I don't feel the need to put it in. Um, but but interestingly, in 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 my other role as a magistrate, um, we have this all the time um, when people are charged for things like use of threatening words or abusive behavior and um it's always it always makes me a little bit uncomfortable but I do smile when you when the prosecutor or the defense solicitor has to read out exactly what <laughs> someone said and um some mm. of the things that the, the colorful language that has been shared I mean some people are very creative with the word with the way that they use expletives so um that that does always make me smile and I have to make sure that I keep my straight poker face when I hear a, a stream of of abusive words coming from the mouth of a, a prosecutor or a defense solicitor to um emphasize what's happened but but that's that's not social work that's um that's life in the court but how did you respond then to this person that wrote here what was your take on it yeah, so when I reply, when I reply to the advice columns, I always give, I, 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 I always give people advice that I follow and live myself. I think it's hypocritical of me to give people advice that I don't believe in or wouldn't do myself. So I, I don't try and make myself out to be a, a different social worker or, or a better social worker than I am. And I gave advice just exactly as I, I employed in my own practice. I, I kind of categorize my decision making here into three different areas really if if somebody swears as you know i used to when i was growing up and a lot of my friends do in their everyday language i never put it down because it's unfair because whilst you know swearing said in the everyday normal context as if it's nothing as if it's just you know used as to punctuate sentences when you write that on a case note, it becomes something completely different because then somebody could read that who has a completely different view or somebody reads that in a different context and the amount of you know swear words in there read totally out of context because they've got no nuance to them. So if somebody's just swearing as a matter of course, 
I, I never put it in. Never. If it's not, if it's irrelevant, there's absolutely no point at all. The second thing which I discussed was how sometimes people can swear in frustration. So sometimes people who don't usually swear or maybe swear all the time, but then, you know, get frustrated and do it more frequently or more often or with more aggression. In those situations, I kind of judge the context. If somebody's very frustrated and they went something like, oh, I could effing kill them, but don't, I don't mean it at all. They've never, you know, never done anything like that before in the past. You've got to make a judgment call. That was just said in frustration. If they've soon calmed down straight after it, then you've got to consider was that genuine? Was it worth reporting? Do you have to pass it on? So I think if people swear in passionate moments, and we do face that all the time in social work, inevitably we're involved in people's life because there's a crisis, there's a need, there's a risk. So people who we are involved in would often be frustrated. A lot of the time that will be directed at people like me and you, Tilly. And you know, naturally so, because you know, a lot of the time people want more support than available or people feel that support, particularly from child protection services, is oppressive, isn't very helpful, but is actually making matters worse. So in those situations, I judge the context and whether it's needed to be recorded. Does it add anything to the narrative of the, the child we're supporting? Is it a risk? Is it something that could be a portent of a risk in future and so on? So I kind of judge that really on the context of what it was said when people are frustrated. The third time people swear, which I'll always record, is when swearing is done in the context of a genuine threat to somebody. So not just a flippant, oh, I could effing do this to them, like, you know, more of a, I'm going to effing do that. She's an effing C. I can't believe what that S has done to me. Things like that. Um, I think it's very important to record that word for word because... Um, that is something that could potentially end up in a court chronology, could be either used as a basis for referral to the police. It could build up a bigger picture of concerns when you piece that together with other information. And I've been in that exact position before. I've been in positions before where people I've been working with um, have made quite serious threats about other professionals, about the current partners, about their ex-partners, about the parents. And you have to do your best to record that word for word. And swearing in those contexts can often be a significant sign of heightened and aggressive behaviour, which increases the risk to people. Yeah, I think I agree with with everything that you've just said. I think that's a, those three categories are a really sensible way to do it. Um, and I, I would follow a similar suit. Um I mean, I suppose slightly differently, I'm, I'm often recording capacity assessments. So if I'm assessing someone's mental capacity to make a decision, um, in which case I try and write down exactly the, the question that I've asked and then exactly the response. So even if it's taken out of context, for example, I would then normally record what exactly what the person said. Um, even if it's not adding anything to yeah. it, I kind of verbatim write it so if they swore within that then I would include that swear word like I said normally I do put a little asterisk over one of the vowels just to take yeah, out yeah. The, um, the, the full meaning so people still can tell what the word is yes. but just kind of um make it softens it, it doesn't it? It, it it does it does I don't know if that's just me being a bit prudish no, it does it definitely does it definitely does I, it, I, it hides yeah, your modesty I, 
Exactly. I don't. It's not necess- overly necessary. And if people didn't do that, then then fine. We're not going to be offended. But just personally, that's that's how I would prefer to record something. Um, but but yeah. Again, if if someone's made a direct threat, you've got to record exactly what they've said to you, so that could be used potentially in evidence. Um, and if it's you're just summarising what someone has said and, and swearing is part of their day-to-day language, then then there's just no need. Um, we don't want to tarnish people unnecessarily because, as you say, anyone that reads those records might think, might view that out of context and that's not what the person was, they weren't coming across as threatening or aggressive or anything. It just, that's how it sounds because that's the way that they speak. Um, so we wouldn't want to put any prejudice on that person. Exactly. Um, talk about not putting prejudice on people. Let's not kid ourselves here, Tilly. I hear more industrial language and far more salacious and foul stories from my colleagues than I ever hear from the people I support. Um, have you experienced similar cultures yourself within social work? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I mean, some of the conversations in a social work office, um, let's let's be thankful that the walls don't have ears because um, <laughs> it, it's best sometimes that they are. Um, yeah, what happens in a social work office stays in a social work office. Um, but it's, it always it makes me laugh because there's always certain people certain people again that will swear a lot and that's quite common and that's just yeah. part of their, their language and then the people that never swear and then this is kind of like me actually so the people that never swear and then suddenly swear you're like oh oh yeah something yeah, bad yeah. has happened wow. <laughs> if they like sworn, then um then there's a drama about to unfold um watch out take cover mm. um yeah. yeah that's normally that's normally me although my expletives in those rare moments that I do use them normally aimed at IT systems I have to say <laughs> the computer <laughs> has had many threats <laughs> to it um it, it's yeah. Um, yeah good job that we're not um we're not prosecuted for um making threats to kill the computer <laughs> system because I, I have threatened violence on it more times than I'd like to admit <laughs> um <laughs> I look, I, I don't want to portray the profession in a negative light, but, um, you know, I think we've, we have to humanise social workers, you know, at the same time. Do you think the general public would be surprised to learn how social workers communicate with one another in the office and the kind of language that we do use and the stories that we share? I hope not, although I suspect that they would, because I think these sort of office cultures happen no matter what profession or or what sort of office or work setting you're in. Um, when I've worked in a supermarket, it was the same. We, we were out the back and, and that sort of those gallows humour that would happen there. I'm sure you've come across it in the various industries that you've worked in before your social work career. So... I would like to hope that people would just think, well, social workers are human beings. Some people swear, some people don't. Some people tell salacious stories, some people don't. Um, that's Social workers aren't saints. We're not um, holier than thou people that live these pristine lives. We live ordinary lives just like anyone else. We say that, though, but if you have a look at the Social Work England um categories and the social work england codes of conduct it is scary if you take that all word for word because it's subjective 
the notion of what brings the profession into disrepute is incredibly subjective because, you know, it, for all the words and the length and, the, and, and, and how many different, you know, categories there are within the social work England codes of conduct, a lot of it is subjective. And a lot of it is down to who's going to be investigating the case, what the sort of case handlers think when it goes through triage, and then if it actually goes so far as to you know be considered for an investigation, that then goes to a panel of people who decide. And you're talking in that process, maybe four or five different people involved there, and it's their interpretation. The rules are very much open to interpretation. And look, it's all well and good. You and I sitting here saying, yes, yeah, social workers are human beings. We know that. But I, I worry that we might think that, we might know that, but I worry we are held up to an superhuman, a superhuman standard. And I think the proof of that superhuman standard we are held up to can be found in more or less every single negative news story about social workers where we are expected to have both predicted the future, to have stopped... Uh, people being harmed, usually children, which tends to get the headlines, to, to prevent children being harmed by their parents. Yet at the same time, we're expected to predict the future because how many people will say, you should never have taken my children away from me because I wasn't a bad parent. So I I think we are, we are dehumanised um, and we are held to an unaccountable standard. And I think that many, many critics of social work would be appalled to know that social workers are in the office on a Monday having a laugh and perhaps swearing and talking about what they got up to on the weekend. I think even though that is normal and acceptable and legal behaviour for the other 60 million people in this country, or the 50-odd million people, however many who go to work every single week, I think that it wouldn't be stood if people knew that social workers were able to let their hair down like that in the office. Maybe I'm wrong, Tilly, but I just, I think we'd be held to a higher standard than everybody else. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't disagree. I think it's a sad state of affairs, isn't it? Because if you compare us to our allied professionals and a group of nurses were sat around the nurses station in a hospital chatting about what they got up to at the weekend and, and, any would laughing and swearing I think no one would turn a blind people would turn a blind eye it would be just sort seen as normal yet social workers perhaps people would have a problem with that so I yeah. suppose it's up to us really as collective social workers to keep standing up for our profession and saying look we are human we're doing our best um we're not perfect no one wants us to be perfect but we do what we can and um, that's that's all we can do. Yeah, I, I think you're right there when compared to nurses, because I think there's here in the UK, there's been, you know, there, there, there are many TV programmes about nurses. I think there was one called No Angels back in the day, maybe about 15 years ago or something that was on telly. People of a certain vintage like myself in the United Kingdom may remember that one, but there's kind of that... Um, some professions, I think there's a bit of a work hard, play hard culture and people are, oh, well, you know, what's wrong with them doing that? It's good. It's a bit bawdy. It's a bit, you know, just, just people letting the hair down, letting off a bit of steam. I just think people are so quick to attack social workers that 
we're not given any leeway. We're not given any slack or forgiveness in social work. And look, we're not, we're, look, we're not talking about we're not talking about the last days of Rome here, are we? We're not talking about Led Zeppelin on the nineteen seventy eight tour of America. We're not talking about wild, debauched behaviour, you know, around one of Elton John's parties in the late seventies. Um, we are. You know, we're talking about what everybody else did. Like you said earlier about the jobs I've, I've done before, you know, I've worked in a chicken factory. I've been a coal merchant. I've worked on building sites. Um, in those professions, as you can imagine, Tilly, the talk on Monday morning was absolute fire. Um, you know, that's certainly there was nothing like that going down in the social work office. But um, I would worry that if people, if people could see... Um, my my some of my team's uh, WhatsApp group chats at 11 p.m. on a Saturday night. I think they would be a little bit surprised. Would that be fair to say? <laughs> I want to know what's on your team's WhatsApp group. Uh, that, uh, nothing I'm putting in. Nothing I'm putting in. Nothing in the current <laughs> one. But there have been there have been social work WhatsApp groups that I've been part of before that have been, wow. You know, yeah, I think my team must be content. tame in comparison. <laughs> you would pay. Maybe it's the North. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> Maybe it's just Geordies. We're a different breed up here. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe. It's, Maybe. Most of the um, things Not on our me. WhatsApp group are around pet pictures, like people posting pictures of like their dogs and cats and stuff looking cute. That uh, seems to be the majority of the messages on my team's WhatsApp group. Very different. Actually, that's a fair point there. <laughs> Do you think adult and children's teams have different dynamics for that sort of communication and banter and uh, gallows humour? Have you noticed the difference between the professional disciplines? Not particularly, no. I think each team is always very different that you go into. Yeah. You've got some teams that are really cohesive and they will have a laugh together and, and it's kind of like that trauma bond between them. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, and some are more distant or, yeah. or modest. Or it, Every team has a different ethos, but I... I I haven't really noticed a children and adults split, although I, I suppose I only worked in one team within children's services and I've worked in, in many, many different teams and adults. Yeah. So I haven't got a huge amount to compare with, but I'd say each team I've been with has been been very different in how it interacts. And I think now for me, it's different again as a manager. Um I'm sure there's many team WhatsApp groups that I've not been part of and probably don't want to be part of um, with people moaning about work or moaning about me, perhaps. Um, so that's just that's just team and office nature, whether you're a, a social worker or working in any other profession. I, uh, I only join WhatsApp groups on my work phone these days and i will keep the conversation strictly business i don't get me wrong i used to i used to engage in the more uh, wild chat but uh, as i've become increasingly grumpy and antisocial you should be known as the antisocial social worker <laughs> that uh, should be your new title uh, uh, <laughs> mr grumpy <laughs> I, do you know what? I, I don't think I, I'm, I don't think I'm grumpy. It's just I stay in my lane, Tilly. You know, you you know my approach. As we role played on last week's show, you know the approach that I want to go into social work with. I want to keep my head down. I want to do my job. 
I hope everyone does well. I wish them well. But I, you know, some people say um, a problem shared is a problem halved. Not for me. I think if you share a problem, you've doubled the problem. <laughs> that's Talk. not a good. That's not a good ethos to have as a social worker when you want people uh, to be sharing their problems with uh, you. With, uh, look, I'm I'm talking about colleagues here. Yeah, yeah. The I know, people I have know. support is very different because that's my job. That is what I am trained in. I'm I'm paid to do that. But you know. Sometimes I've been mistaken by colleagues as someone who, for some bizarre reason, maybe gives out a vibe that I might be receptive to trying to help them with the personal issues. I mean, I, it was surprising me because I do, I, I do my utmost best to project the opposite image. I mean, if people not listen to the podcast, is it not evident? But sometimes, because there's not many men in social work, as we've talked about many times before, sometimes being a, you need a man's perspective on a problem. So I'm sure that's why some of your colleagues have come to you and gravitated to you, despite okay, the yes. um, the walls around you. And what what is a what is the traditional man's response to a problem? Do we listen or do we take action and want to fix? Uh, some most of the time I don't think you're listening at all uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah just I think your mind's on other things but um maybe that's not fair of me to say but <laughs> or maybe that's why I'm still single there we go um no no to be very clear when women approach me in the workplace with a problem, my mind isn't on trying to uh, trying to seduce them, Tilly. Let's be very clear on that point. I, think I we, never suggested that. No, no, not at all. I think, I think we need to be very clear that I'm not going to be, oh, you're a bit upset. Oh, what, is your man not treating you right? Oh, I treat you better than that. That isn't... I'm not. I'm not going to go down that route. Believe me. No, no, you'd be the opposite. Your man's not treating you right. Well, it's probably your fault. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. I wouldn't see that as an opportunity to, uh, you know, uh, have a bit of workplace romance. Um, I would see that as, you know, please, uh, maybe you should raise this with the manager. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure you'll deflect all problems away. Um, yeah, you you put up a heart of stone with your colleagues, whereas I, I with just the people that you're supporting, you're you're more kind. I believe in the, you. You know, you know my approach, my Tilly. I, I believe in the stoic approach of if if it is outside of your control and you can't, you know, and if if you can take action, take action. If you can't take action, don't worry. Just don't let it bother you, mate. Chill out. I Which, as you can imagine, love you. <laughs> as you can imagine, when somebody comes up to me in a personal capacity, I'm like, "Oh, Vince, you're a social worker. You've been a social worker a while. Yeah, yeah. You've done you've done a counselling qualification. Yeah, I have. Uh, what do you think about this? What should I do? I just don't let it bother you, mate. Crack on." Great advice there. <laughs> I'm sure after a couple of tries with um with that <laughs> response, then people will be steering well clear. Yeah, on a serious note, I did take a lot from a counselling degree, and yeah, you know, I, 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 the reason I believe in this approach is I, I think you have to you have to be careful about how much you give of yourself in the social work, and I think social work takes that much out of you, and it can be so all-consuming that if you are not firm and rigid with your boundaries in terms of hours work, in terms of how much you commit, and so on, it's a significant issue. You know. 
I like people I work with in, in social work. My colleagues are nice, amiable people. I, I literally couldn't say anything wrong about them. I probably can't say that much about them because I don't know much about them. Maybe if I knew them better, I maybe could say something wrong about them. But I, I can't say anything wrong about any colleagues that I've worked with. But I, I don't go to work to sit and chat for a couple of hours to pass the day. I go to work, I get my head down, and I work very efficiently, Tilly. And... Um, it works for me. As we've established before on the podcast, it doesn't work for everybody. Just the swearing doesn't work for everybody. But for some people, it does work. For some people, it does not. So, uh, yeah, don't come to me with your problems. I think that's our takeaway <laughs> message from today's podcast, isn't it, really? Uh, people just, just stay away from Vince unless uh, you're on his case and you're all right. But otherwise, um, you're not the person to go to. Which is kind, which is kind of ironic because this brings us full circle. We've just joked about me not being the person to go to, and yet every Friday I answer anybody's problems who put them into us. Clearly, I am I am able to give specific advice at specific times on your terms, <laughs> and that and that is the crux of it, isn't it, Dilly? And that is, <laughs> and you've just you've just psychoanalyzed me there, Tilly. Well done, congratulations on my terms. On that note. <laughs> well, listeners, um, if you want to write in with your own, um, if you want to send in a question that you'd like me to answer, my Friday supervision columns on my terms, um, do email us um, at press at mysocialworknews.com. Drop us a message on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. You'll find us there at mysocialworknews.com com or social work news on any social media channels um tell you we're going to go off air now we're just going to swear at each other for about five minutes because it's been hard hasn't it to talk about swearing but not not let one out or is uh, is that just me that's got like tourettes and desperate to swear here i mean i haven't got a particular urge but if you want to sit after we've gone off air and just swear at me for a few minutes then then i am that much of a friend vince i will let you do it i'll take i'm not swear at you I'm not saying, it'll not be like uh, it'll not be like some sort of drill instructor in the US Marines, like you. Duh, duh, duh. I'm not going to be swearing at you. I just thought we might like, you know, we might just um, exchange swear words for a couple of minutes, just just to decompress, just to chill out a bit. Are you up for that? You up for swapping swear words? Mm, maybe we'll see. Maybe. We could pitch it as out of hours content. You know, if uh, people could maybe sign to a sign up for a premium show where we uh, we just swear at each other for. You know, it's just me and you swear. Yeah, I don't think you're pitching it. You're, you're not selling that to our listeners. I don't, <laughs> I don't know, think Tilly. anyone wants to hear that. I don't know. Or well, maybe they do. Maybe I they do. Maybe I'm wrong. As I've learned from some of the WhatsApp groups I've been in, people are into all sorts. On that note, listeners, <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in. Um, we will be born. Next week will be an exciting one. I mean, Tilly's going to record some live shows. Next week, you may even get a video podcast. So uh, let's see what comes out of it. Um, as always, thank you ever so much for your likes, your subscriptions, your reviews. You're amazing. Um, we are the most popular social work podcast in the UK and in the top five most listened to social work podcasts in the world. Thank you ever so much for your continued support and interest in the show. Until next week, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me.